The Old Apple Dealer From Mosses from an Old Man's and Other Stories by Nathaniel Hawthorne This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bob Neufeld The lover of the moral picturesque may sometimes find what he seeks in a character which is nevertheless of too negative a description to be seized upon and represented to the imaginative vision by word-painting. As an instance, I remember an old man who carries on a little trade of gingerbread and apples at the depot of one of our railroads. While awaiting the departure of the cars, my observation, flitting to and fro among the livelier characteristics of the scene, has often settled insensibly upon this almost hueless object. Thus, unconsciously to myself, and unsuspected by him, I have studied the old apple-dealer until he has become a naturalized citizen of my inter-world. How little would he imagine, poor, neglected, friendless, unappreciated, and with little that demands appreciation, that the mental eye of an utter stranger has so often reverted to his figure. Many a noble form, many a beautiful face, has flitted before me and vanished like a shadow it is a strange witchcraft whereby this faded and featureless old apple-dealer has gained a settlement in my memory he is a small man with grey hair and grey stubbled beard and is invariably clad in a shabby surtout of snuff-colour closely buttoned and half concealing a pair of grey pantaloons the whole dress though clean and attire being evidently flimsy with much wear his face, thin, withered, furrowed, and with features which even age has failed to render impressive, has a frost-bitten aspect. It is a moral frost, which no physical warmth or comfortableness could counteract. The summer sunshine may fling its white heat upon him, or the good fire of the depot-room may make him the face of its blaze on a winter's day, but all in vain for still the old man looks as if he were in a frosty atmosphere, with scarcely warmth enough to keep life in the region about his heart. It is a patient, long-suffering, quiet, hopeless, shivering aspect. He is not desperate. That, though its etymology implies no more, would be too positive an expression, but merely devoid of hope. As all his past life, probably, offers no spots of brightness to his memory, so he takes his present poverty and discomfort as entirely a matter of course. He thinks it the definition of existence, so far as himself is concerned, to be poor, cold, and uncomfortable. It may be added that time has not thrown dignity as a mantle over the old man's figure. There is nothing venerable about him you pity him without a scruple. He sits on a bench in the depot-room, and before him, on the floor, are deposited two baskets, of a capacity to contain his whole stock in trade. Across, from one basket to the other, extends a board, on which is displayed a plate of cakes and gingerbread, some russet and red-cheeked apples, and a box containing variegated sticks of candy together with that delectable condiment known by children as Gibraltar Rock, neatly done up in white paper. 
there is likewise a half-peck measure of cracked walnuts and two or three tin half-pints or gills filled with the nut kernels ready for purchasers such are the small commodities with which our friend comes daily before the world ministering to its petty needs and little freaks of appetites and seeking thence the solid subsistence so far as he may subsist of his life a slight observer would speak of the old man's quietude but on closer scrutiny you discover that there is a continual unrest within him which somewhat resembles the fluttering action of the nerves in a corpse from which life has recently departed though he never exhibits any violent action and indeed might appear to be sitting quite still yet you perceive when his minuter peculiarities begin to be detected that he is always making some little movement or other he looks anxiously at his plate of cakes or pyramid of apples and slightly alters their arrangement with an evident idea that a great deal depends on their being disposed exactly thus and so then for a moment he gazes out of the window then he shivers quietly and folds his arms across his breast as if to draw himself closer within himself and thus keep a flicker of warmth in his lonesome heart now he turns again to his merchandise of cakes apples and candy and discovers that this cake or that apple or yonder stick of red and white candy has somehow got out of its proper position and is there not a walnut kernel too many or too few in one of these small tin measures again the whole arrangement appears to be settled in his mind but in the course of a minute or two there will assuredly be something to be set right at times by an indescribable shadow upon his features too quiet however to be noticed until you are familiar with his ordinary aspect the expression of frost-bitten patient despondency becomes very touching it seems as if just at that instant the suspicion occurred to him that in his chill decline of life earning scanty bread by selling cakes apples and candy he is a very miserable old fellow but if he thinks so it is a mistake he can never suffer the extreme of misery because the tone of his whole being is too much subdued for him to feel anything acutely occasionally one of the passengers to while away a tedious interval approaches the old man inspects the articles upon his board and even peeps curiously into the two baskets another striding to and fro along the room throws a look at the apples and gingerbread at every turn a third it may be of a more sensitive and delicate texture of being glances shyly thitherward cautious not to excite expectations of a purchaser while yet undetermined whether to buy but there appears to be no need of such a scrupulous regard for our old friend's feelings true he is conscious of a remote possibility of selling a cake or an apple but innumerable disappointments have rendered him so far a philosopher that even if the purchased article should be returned he will consider it altogether in the ordinary train of events he speaks to none and makes no sign of offering his wares to the public not that he is deterred by pride 
but by the certain conviction that such demonstrations would not increase his custom. Besides, this activity in business would require an energy that never could have been a characteristic of his almost passive disposition, even in youth. Whenever an actual customer appears, the old man looks up with a patient eye. If the price and the article are approved, he is ready to make change. Otherwise, his eyelids droop again, sadly enough, but with no heavier despondency than before. He shivers, perhaps, folds his lean arms around his lean body, and resumes the lifelong frozen patience in which consists his strength. Once in a while, a schoolboy comes hastily up, places a cent or two upon the board, then takes up a cake or a stick of candy, or a measure of walnuts, or an apple as red-cheeked as himself. There are no words as to the price, that being as well known to the buyer as to the seller. The old apple-dealer never speaks an unnecessary word, not that he is sullen and morose, but there is none of the cheeriness and briskness in him that stirs up people to talk. Not seldom he is greeted by some old neighbor, a man well-to-do in the world, who makes a civil, patronizing observation about the weather, and then, by way of performing a charitable deed, begins to chaffer for an apple. Our friend presumes not on any past acquaintance. He makes the briefest possible response to all general remarks, and shrinks quietly into himself again. After every diminution of his stock, he takes care to produce from the basket another cake, another stick of candy, another apple, or another measure of walnuts, to supply the place of the article sold. Two or three attempts, or perchance half a dozen, are requisite, before the board can be rearranged to his satisfaction. If he have received a silver coin, he waits till the purchaser is out of sight, then examines it closely, and tries to bend it with his finger and thumb. Finally, he puts it into his waistcoat pockets with seemingly a gentle sigh. This sigh, so faint as to be hardly perceptible, and not expressive of any definite emotion, is the accompaniment and conclusion of all his actions. It is the symbol of the chilliness and torpid melancholy of his old age, which only make themselves felt sensibly when his repose is slightly disturbed. Our man of gingerbread and apples is not the specimen of the needy man who has seen better days. Doubtless there have been better and brighter days in the far-off time of his youth, but none with so much sunshine of prosperity in them, that the chill, the depression, the narrowness of means in his declining years, can have come upon him by surprise. His life has all been of a piece. His subdued and nerveless boyhood prefigured his abortive prime, which, likewise, contained within itself the prophecy and image of his lean and torpid age. He was perhaps a mechanic, who never came to a master in his craft, or a petty tradesman, rubbing onward between passably to do and poverty. Possibly he may look back to some brilliant epoch of his career when there were a hundred or two of dollars to his credit in the savings bank. Such must have been the extent of his better fortune, 
his little measure of this world's triumphs, all that he has known of success. A meek, downcast, humble, uncomplaining creature, he probably has never felt himself entitled to more than so much of the gifts of providence. Is it not still something that he has never held out his hand for charity, nor has yet been driven to that sad home and household of earth's forlorn and broken-spirited children, the almshouse? He cherishes no quarrel, therefore, with his destiny, nor with the author of it. All is as it should be. If, indeed, he have been bereaved of a son, a bold, energetic, vigorous young man, on whom the father's feeble nature leaned as on a staff of strength, in that case he may have felt a bitterness that could not otherwise have been generated in his heart. But, methinks, the joy of possessing such a son, and the agony of losing him, would have developed the old man's moral and intellectual nature to a much greater degree than we now find it. Intense grief appears to be as much out of keeping with his life as fervid happiness. To confess the truth, it is not the easiest matter in the world to define and individualize a character like this which we are now handling. The portrait must be so generally negative that the most delicate pencil is likely to spoil it by introducing some too positive tint. Every touch must be kept down, or else you destroy the subdued tone which is absolutely essential to the whole effect. Perhaps more may be done by contrast than by direct description. For this purpose I make use of another cake-and-candy merchant, who likewise infests the railroad depot. This latter worthy is a very smart and well-dressed boy, of ten years old or thereabouts, who skips briskly hither and thither, addressing the passengers in a pert voice, yet with somewhat of good breeding in his tone and pronunciation. Now he has caught my eye, and skips across the room with a pretty pertness, which I should like to correct with a box on the ear. Any cake, sir? Any candy? No. None for me, my lad. I did but glance at your brisk figure in order to catch a reflected light and throw it upon your old rival yonder. Again, in order to invest my conception of the old man with a more decided sense of reality, I look at him in the very moment of intensest bustle on the arrival of the cars. The shriek of the engine as it rushes into the car-house is the utterance of the steam-fiend whom man has subdued by magic spells and compels to serve as a beast of burden. He has skimmed rivers in his headlong rush, dashed through forests, plunged into the hearts of mountains, and glanced from the city to the desert place and again to the far-off city, with a meteoric progress, seen and out of sight, while his reverberating roar still fills the ear. The travellers swarm forth from the cars. Are are full of the momentum which they have caught from their mode of conveyance. It seems as if the whole world, both morally and physically, were detached from its old standfasts and set in rapid motion. And in the midst of this terrible activity, there sits the old man of gingerbread, so subdued, so hopeless, so without a stake in life 
and yet not positively miserable there he sits the forlorn old creature one chill and sombre day after another gathering scanty coppers for his cakes apples and candy there sits the old apple dealer in his threadbare suit of snuff colour and grey and his grisly stubble beard see he folds his lean arms around his lean figure with that quiet sigh and that scarcely perceptible shiver which are the tokens of his inward state i have him now he and the steam fiend are each other's antipodes the latter is the type of all that go ahead and the old man the representative of that melancholy class who by some sad witchcraft are doomed never to share in the world's exulting progress thus the contrast between mankind and this desolate brother becomes picturesque and even sublime and now farewell old friend little do you suspect that a student of human life has made your character the theme of more than one solitary and thoughtful hour many would say that you have hardly individuality enough to be the subject of your own self-love how then can a stranger's eye detect anything in your mind and heart to study and to wonder at yet could i read but a tithe of what is written there it would be a volume of deeper and more compressive import than all the wisest mortals have given to the world for the soundless depths of the human soul and of eternity have an opening through your breast god be praised were it only for your sake that the present shapes of human existence are not cast in iron nor hewn in everlasting adamant but moulded of the vapours that vanish away while the essence flits upward to the infinite there is a spiritual essence in this grey and lean old shape that shall flit upward too yes doubtless there is a region where the life-long shiver will pass away from his being and that quiet sigh which it has taken so many years to breathe will be brought to a close for good and all end of the old apple dealer